The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, international Bible teacher and author, Beth Moore. Listen, we don't have to be the best to do the good. Let's do some good while we're here. Listen, we can get so completely paralyzed in trying to be the best at something, we never do any good. Let's just do some good and not worry about who's best because all the competition is absolutely killing us. Join us as we spend Wednesdays in the Word. My parents are taking a, a needed break, and so I asked uh, Miss Sheila Walsh to join me this week. Sheila, glad to have you. I'm thrilled to be here, particularly on a day when we're introducing the master of all masters at Bible teaching. Oh, well, that's quite a compliment coming from you. Oh, gosh. Whenever I um, do any of Beth's Bible studies, I'm moved by two things, how profoundly personal she is in what she shares, and yet the incredible depth yes. of what she shares. Yes, yes. After listening to Wednesdays with Beth, for years now, I still watch the program and I go, wow, I that is great. And it's the depth. Yeah, it's and the, the thing depth. I love is how much she studies. She puts in so much work, and you're going to be the, the beneficiary of that right now. So uh, let's this. take a listen. This is Beth Moore. Word build in my uh, Bible software so I could see every single place it is used. It's uh, definitely a concept in the scriptures, but you need to look up also built up on um, all the different forms of the word building, all of those. But I just looked up the word build. And, and so it appeared in my ESV 137 times, but I found it so fascinating that the very first time, the very first mention of the word build in all of scripture happens to be so telling. And it's in Genesis 11:4. Maybe you're familiar with the building of the Tower of Babel. It says this, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top into the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Isn't that interesting? Very first use of the word build, and it's let us build a place for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. So here's what God does. He said, no, I'm going I'm to put a challenge on you that's going to go against everything your flesh would want because your flesh would just want to be a rock star, not a rock stack. Your flesh would want to be scattered out there where you don't have to answer to anyone. Nobody holds you accountable and you don't have to put up with people that in your natural man you would not even like. He said, I'm going to challenge you with this, that you as living stones are going to be built in as a holy priesthood into a holy temple to the Lord to make a name for my glory alone. I want to show you something. I want you to glance back. If you still have something back there in 1 Chronicles 22, it's been a while since we've been there, but turn back there with us if you would, please. 1 Chronicles 22, and I want to show you something. 1 Chronicles 22, 11 through 13. 
This is David. He is charging Solomon with the task of building uh, the great temple uh, for the glory and the majesty and the fame of God. And so he's giving him the charge. He's brought together all the materials, made all the preparations. And so now he's going to give him this commissioning. And in verse 11 through 13 of 1 Chronicles 22, it says this, Now my son, the Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the Lord of your, um, the law of the Lord of your God. Um, and it says, then you will prosper if you're careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed. Do not fear. And he's telling him over and over again. He says it again down in verse 18. Is not the Lord your God with you? Has he not given you peace on every side? He has delivered you. And he calls him again and again, be strong and courageous. Let me tell you something. This is parallel number two. Parallel two is this. Our individual God-ordained works should scare our flesh to death. I want to say that again. Our individual... God-ordained works, whatever you're doing here on the planet, that he put you in this generation and positioned you in your sphere of influence on planet Earth, whatever you were called to do by God, that if we really got it, it would scare our flesh to death. That's why David has to say over Solomon, be strong and courageous. Do those say, if you've got any history um, in the Word of God, do those um, words sound familiar at all? Because they come right out of Joshua chapter 1 when God said to Joshua, when he says it three times in that first chapter, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. I am with you. In Deuteronomy 31, I believe it is, Moses says it over Joshua before Moses is um, um, taken off in, uh, by himself and dies. He says to him, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. Listen, if we only got it, if you got what you have been called to do, if you understood and if I understood the true impact of it, it would scare us half to death. Whatever you're doing on the planet at this hour, it's going to take courage to do it. It will take courage to do the will of God. It will take bravery to fulfill your calling. It won't be something you can just do in your flesh. It won't be something you can just do by routine. It won't be something that you're just so talented at. It takes no real work from you. No, whatever you were put on this earth to do, if it were you naturally doing it, it would scare you to death and it would scare me to death. I love that he tells the people, that David tells the people, listen, Solomon is young and inexperienced. Think how faithful God is how often he entrusts so much of the leadership of the church, even to the young and to the inexperienced. I, I tell you, even today, you know, I'll look back, I'll probably get back to my hotel room and think, why did I say that? Well, you can imagine when I look back on something I taught at 29, I'm just going like, why did I say that? Anybody talk, know what I'm talking about? Last year, why exactly did I say that? Because, you know, young and inexperienced. I was thinking about something 
uh, that just blessed me so much. Um, some months ago, we had one of those big professional shredders come to the ministry uh, so that we could just get rid of a bunch of papers without just dumping them intact into uh, the big um, garbage uh, bins. So we brought in a big shredder, and so we were compiling all of these um, ledgers, all of these records, all of these papers um, that, um, that we just had no further use for, but that just weren't for public knowledge, getting them all out there to um, be taken care of. And I looked at one of the ledgers for job descriptions, and with one of the, one of the um, young women that was working for the ministry at that time, one of her job descriptions, it said over to the side, feed the fish. Feed the fish. And it meant, it wasn't like, it didn't mean like when you answer the phone, like feed the fish, like when you send out tapes. Feed, no, we had like goldfish, and it meant <laughs> sprinkle the fish, sprinkle the fish food in the fish tank, feed the fish. And so, I mean, she just like faithfully fed the fish. And the reason why I'm bringing this to you is because today she directs the entire ministry because she was very, very serious about how well she fed the fish. Anybody getting that with me? Because that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Would we do it right there? Would we do it right there? We're being built together. That was our first parallel into this holy dwelling place for God. Our second parallel, our individual God-ordained works would scare our flesh to death. And, and the third one is this. Parallel number three is this. God is more than with us. His spirit is in us. I want you to just get that with me if you're in Christ. God is more than with us. His Holy Spirit lives within us. This was the miracle and the beauty when he told his disciples in John 14 and John 16 when he taught them about the Holy Spirit and said to them, listen, it's going to be a good thing in John 16, 7 that I go because when I go, I can send the comforter to you. you have, right now he is with you, but then he says, he will be in you. Over and over, David says to Solomon, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Your God is with you your God is with you. Um, some time ago, I just threw out a couple of questions on Twitter to see how people would answer it. And it was so intriguing to me as I looked at their responses. Here were the two questions that I threw out. Number one was this, what would you do if you believed to your core that your God was with you? If you were truly convinced into the marrow of your bones, you thought, my God is with you. What would you do if you were convinced to the marrow of your bones that your God was with you. And then here was the second question. What if it turned out that you were more important than you thought? Anybody? What if it turned out that you were really more important than you thought? It was the most interesting thing to see how people responded. For one thing, they did not like, a number of them did not like being asked what if it turned out that they were important because they wanted to say back, no one is important but God. We all get that. No one is like God. God sits alone upon his throne. He is infinite. He is all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. But listen, he has entrusted a lost world 
to our care and to the carrying of the gospel through the power of his spirit and by the authority of his word. We are important on this planet in this hour. You are important in your neighborhood. You're important in your home. You may be the only believer in your home. You're important in what you bring to the mix on planet Earth at this hour. I just thought it was so um, interesting. Someone else said to me an answer I found intriguing. She said, I would love to think that I was the best at something for God that I was the best at something for God. I totally get what she means, to bring my best offering and to be the best at it for God. I get that in every way. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But I, I just want to bring this point to the mix. Why, in order to do something that would really matter, would we have to be the best at it? Why do we have to be the best worship leader that ever led worship? Or can you just lead worship with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind and your strength? Do we have to be the best teacher, um, the, the, the best disciple, the, the very best at this, best singer, best, best writer, best everything, best everything? No, we don't. Oh, let God just fill us with His Spirit. Let's bring him our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen, we don't have to be the best to do the good. Let's do some good while we're here. Listen, we can get so completely paralyzed in trying to be the best at something, we never do any good. Let's just do some good and not worry about who's best because all the competition is absolutely killing us. What if we believed our God was really with us? You know, I, I, I started thinking about the fact that it's very possible that we confuse God is with me with God is watching me. Anybody want to go there with me? That down deep in our minds and our hearts, are we confusing the two? Do we find it very encouraging that our God is always with us? Yes, in us with, by way of his Holy Spirit, but your God is very much with you. He's very much for you. But that part of us that kind of gets creeped out is that we think that for God to be with us, that means that he's always watching us. Well, of course he always sees us. Of course. I mean, he's with us. His Holy Spirit abides within us. But I just want to tell you, like, if you thought that you were trying on something at Dillard's and there were, um, there were uh, cameras that were in the dressing room, I, that would be creepy. That would be creepy because that's just somebody watching you. And we get this somehow. We think he's after me. He's after me to swat me with a fly swatter for doing something wrong instead of my God is with me. His spirit dwells in me. I, I've got to show you something in 1 Chronicles 22, 11, where it says, Now, my son, the Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. This is our fourth and final parallel. Through the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need to succeed, to succeed. Listen, um... Because of so much misinterpretation about prosperity at times and all of the things that can go awry um, in our doctrine, 
we have grown allergic in a segment of the body of Christ to the word succeed. But let me tell you something. It is a biblical word. It is a biblical word. You were meant and I am meant to succeed at what God has called us to do. That our God is with us. He has given us the materials we need. He's called us together to build this thing together, to be stone upon stone, not rock stars, but rock stacks, giving us everything we need. And what we want is that when we lay this down and we become part of the great cloud of witnesses in the heavenlies that are cheering on what's going on down here on earth, that we did our jobs, that we did our jobs, that we succeeded. You know what success will be as a church? That we gave God an environment through which to show off that, that is what it's about. Did we give him the platform to show his great glory, not our own, to speak the authority of his great word, not our own, to ring forth the good news of the gospel throughout the globe? Did we give him that opportunity Stone upon stone upon stone. I love that the very end of 1 Chronicles 22, David says to Solomon in verse 19, Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God. That is what we're called to. That is what we're called to. You know what? We cannot fix everything that's broken. We cannot talk those who are absolutely bent on tearing the church apart out of tearing it apart. But you and I can be part of the group of believers that builds up instead of tears down. That comes together in the midst of our diversity, in the midst of all of our differences, and sometimes even in the midst of our disagreements. But we say we want to be together, stone upon stone, a dwelling place for God, a platform for His glory. That will be success. That He showed the world His goodness, His grace, His mercy, His salvation on the platform built of our very lives. That's what we're here to do. We're here to build up each other, to build the kingdom of God. We want to be those people who build up. That's why we bring Beth and others to you every day on Life Today. We, we want to build you up. At the same time, we want you to be involved in building up others and in building the kingdom of God here on earth. And we have a wonderful way of doing that. So one of the things I've always loved about this ministry, that not only do you encourage those of us who are guests or who have the opportunity every now and again to sit in the seat, but the way that you really make a practical difference in the life of others, in the life of other children. This project that we're going to show you is something that is going to move you so profoundly. If you're a mom or a dad or you ever had a mom or dad, this is going to really move you. Yeah. And a lot of what we do, you know, is emergency relief, but sometimes we want to 
we want to do something a little more, and, and there is a level of life and death in this, in this outreach, the, the shoes and smiles. But well, I just want you to take a look because this is something that radically can change a child's life, and it's a great expression of Christ at a great time of year when we celebrate Christmas. Watch this. Oh, that's awful. That is awful. I can't even imagine, you know, just walking around with this, this toe. There's all the dirt and the gravel. It looks so infected, I'm afraid it's gonna start creeping up his foot. And the thing about it is if he just had this shoe on, just the simple, the, the, the simple things that we take for granted, if he just had this shoe on his foot, this wouldn't have happened. One of the reasons these shoes are so important, walking barefoot, they can contract a lot of diseases. Uh, so, I mean, I'm looking at their feet right now and the toenails are completely gone. They feel like the bottom of your shoe probably does. This year, you helped Life Outreach provide food and water for children all over the world, and they're eternally grateful. This coming Christmas season, we'd like to put an extra smile on their face by giving them a pair of shoes for their very own. And for children who have difficulty smiling because of a cleft palate, doctors are available to perform corrective surgery, giving them a chance for a healthy life. Linda? Malini. Malini. There you go, Malini. This coming season, help us provide children Christmas shoes and smiles. I love seeing that. Don't you like seeing the smile? You know, the thing that's amazing to me, Randy, is I think what Christmas morning's like in our house. Mm. And there's just wrapper, wrappers everywhere. And I mean, when Christian was little, he played with the box more than he played with what was in it. But the simple joy that came to one of those children who just received their very first pair of shoes. Yeah, and a lot of times it is their very first pair of shoes. It's so little. So often you think, if I knew what Jesus would do, I would do it. This is a no-brainer. You don't even have to pray about this. I mean, it's so clear that that's what Christ would have us do, to reach out to children and to give them a gift that will probably change their life. Yeah. I mean, if they've got a cut in their foot and they get an infection, their whole immune system is compromised. But a simple pair of shoes as a Christmas gift could change everything. You don't normally think of shoes as, as a life or death situation like we do, you know, with the water and the food. But it actually can be, like you say, the, the infections... Uh, it's hard to watch. I hate, I'm not a big sh feet person anyway. It, it's hard to watch, but you need to see it because you need to understand that we can do something about it. $3.60 provides shoes for a child. Your gift of $36 will provide shoes for 10 children. Some of you can give more than that. $144 provides shoes for 40 children. And then the surgeries, you know, the, the cleft palate, the cleft lip, and in the United States, we just take care of that when, when, when the kid's young. But in these, in these third world countries, it's, it's a big deal to go in and do a surgery. But we can do it. And that will give that child the ability to smile. And I think it'll put a smile on your face, too, when you know that you've reached out on Christmas to share the love of Christ with, with these children. Your gift of $500 will provide the, the surgery. A gift of 1000 will provide the, the surgery and provide... 275 pairs of shoes. It's a lot of children with a lot of shoes and a lot of smiles on Christmas. So I hope you will do what you can. We've got some wonderful gifts that we would like to give you when you participate. 
Do you know one of the things we want to do? Sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead, go ahead. Barry and I decided, um, and there's another thing we're going to do, which I think I get to do on another program I'll tell you about, but we want to pay for like 40 pairs of shoes, but wrap a present and put it under our tree and inside um, just put um, a simple card that our son, I want our son to unwrap this present, that he'll see the part of the Christmas money went to provide shoes for other children. That is awesome. And I think it's great to include our kids, you know, because some of these kids, they're not waiting on the latest iPhone. A simple pair of shoes would change their life. And how much more do you think you and your family will just enjoy Christmas when you know that you've extended beyond your own four walls to make such a difference? And can you imagine how that will impact the mom and dad to think that someday they'll never meet maybe down on this earth, cared enough about them to take time to send some shoes to their children for Christmas? Thank you. Oh, By the way, my, our joy. For doing that. And, and thank you for participating. This is the last week. We need to wrap this up, no pun intended. And we're going to help a lot of kids. So call. Poverty is a killer. And because of it, children needlessly suffer. Not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. For most of these children, they've never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections that could lead to crippling consequences, disease, and even death. By responding today, you can help life immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 200,000 children around the world just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes. A gift of $72 will help provide 20 pair. And a gift of $144 will help provide 40 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted green antique shoe ornament, a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $100 or more, you may also request a special boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments from past years. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request our beautifully framed canvas prints of the Forest Chapel. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. We literally stopped by the road where uh, I say we knew we would bring them shoes and I'm confident that we will because children like these need shoes all over the world. And you know, it's amazing. You may say, why would they stop and let you take a picture with them? Well, the truth is they stopped because I just got out and sat down here on the road and smiled at them and they came over and started sitting down by me. Then we explained to the parents through our missionary interpreter that our plan was to come right back to this area, this village, and bring shoes. And so that is our intention, but it's gonna take you making that possible. And I'm asking you to give as many pairs of shoes as you can to put on these beautiful, beautiful feet of these beautiful children. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your help. I do hope you'll call You Can Change the Life of not just a child for a short time, but many children for a long time. So, so please do what you can. 
And it might seem a little bit early for Christmas. People are thinking, yeah. you're talking about Christmas already. But we want to get this done. We want to be able to get the shoes into the hands of those children so that Christmas Day really will be a miracle for every single one of those children. Absolutely. Please call and go to the website. And, and if you missed parts one and two of Beth's uh, message, you can see those online at lifetoday.org. And I want to mention, if you have a Roku, Download the Life Today channel. You can watch Beth. You can watch The Daily Show and much, much more. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Life Today. husband and I want you to be my bride. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.